Welcome to Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, a luxury interior designer and construction expert. Educated at the New York School of Interior Design and employed by AD Top 100 firms, I have created a niche expertise in managing large-scale construction projects from renovations to new builds over the past three decades. Today, I'm on a mission to instill confidence in designers through this podcast and my online course, The Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management. Whether you are new to construction management or a seasoned designer like me, I am all about transparency and tactical advice for fellow designers. On this podcast, I share actionable steps, practical tips, real-life examples, and behind-the-scenes tricks that I use while managing construction projects. Not only will they keep them on schedule and on budget, but will give you the confidence to know that these projects will end successfully, protecting your profit as well as leading to a pipeline full of incredible referrals. If you've been searching for support and advice on construction management to grow your skills and confidence so you can avoid the mistakes that I've made in the past, then you're in the right place. Before we get started, I want to thank each of you for being a part of this community. Your listens, subscribes, and reviews are what allows me to make this show great week after week. I've got lots of plans for growing this podcast, and that's enabled by you. Make sure to follow the podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a thing. If you enjoy this episode, spread the word. Leave a review and tell your interior design friends how much they can learn from this show. So a lot of designers have been asking me about the types of materials they need to supply to the contractor for the projects that they're working on. And I want to break them down into three different scenarios because there really is a difference that is an important distinction to make so that you understand that you're not going to give away more than you need to at that moment, given the involvement you have on the project. So let's dig in. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. So as I just said, I've had a lot of designers reach out to me in different scenarios asking what kind of information they need to be supplying to the contractors. And my response is always the same. What's your involvement? So there are lots of ways we can get involved on construction projects. And I want to make clear today that depending on your involvement determines what you are going to be supplying to the contractor. So what do I mean by involvement? So there are lots of designers out there who get involved in specifications only. Maybe it's a new development and the builder is looking for, say, three different options to offer to prospective home buyers as far as a kitchen package or a bathroom package or something along those lines. And then there are going to be ones where a designer is asked by a client to just make the selections and then, you know, go away really and hand that over and that the homeowner will take it from there. And some of that feels a little e-design like, but it's not always something that you do from a remote setting. So in that scenario, unless it's specified differently in your contract with whomever that is, whether it's with a client or with a builder, I always recommend that you send them a spreadsheet, 
right? You make your selections, maybe in the kitchen, you lay things out like countertops, Carrera 3CM with eased edge, or, you know, backsplash, Walker Zanger tile XYZ for backsplash laid on the diagonal, you know, and then you can go into the specialty things like island lighting, three pendant fixtures from visual comfort, style number, one, two, three, mounted equidistant or, you know, enough information that does actually design the space, but it isn't going to include the kitten caboodle, as I always say, right? You may or may not include images of all of these things. I would certainly not put vendors that you use on there because you don't know who they will purchase this through. I certainly wouldn't include pricing unless they are expecting it. And if they are expecting it, then I would put down retail because you have no way of knowing who's purchasing it and what their purchasing power is at specific vendors. I would not include spec sheets. You can always include links to these items. That's a nice touch so that in the same spreadsheet, they can just have one and done clicking in and out of the items you specified. But I wouldn't go with installation guides and things like that. It's just not your level of involvement. Now, that being said, you're you're really pricing it appropriately, right? You are not managing this project. And while I don't do this level of service, from what I'm told, that's it. You're done. You know, I guess unless something was discontinued by the time you specified it to the time they purchased it, there's no more involvement. It's a literally open and shut, done. And that's why it needs to be something that is succinct, covers all the bases, but is also quite simple right? You're not going to be spending a lot of time aside from linking in the individual items and putting in your personal notes as far as how you would install it and where you would install it. But beyond that, it is a fairly simple document that you can email over to whether it's a client or a contractor. Now, like I said, I I don't get involved in many of those, but the next level of sort of involvement I hear is that A designer may be called periodically throughout the project. So you are doing all your specifications and you may be called in, maybe let's say for the contractor meeting in the beginning to make sure that your notes are conveyed to all of the subs. Maybe you're called back in after demo or maybe you're called back in for rough-ins, you know, but it's not going to be something that you are going to have day-to-day, week-to-week involvement. I don't know, maybe you're involved five or six times through the duration of the project. Now, in my personal opinion, I don't love those scenarios because you're sort of in, but you're not in. You're sort of being asked for an opinion, but not always. So those times in between those meetings, a lot actually goes down and gets accomplished and decided and changed. And then you're trying to play catch up every single time you're called in, even if it's after two weeks, a whole ton has happened on a job site in those two weeks. So I wouldn't recommend that unless this is sort of building your experience and this is what your contractor or your client has requested. And of course, you would be pricing your fee structure accordingly. But then this specification packet or book, you know, everybody sort of calls it a different thing, would be more substantial. So in this scenario, because you are more involved, 
and you should be parlaying this experience into working with this contractor or a client further and doing another project that you're much more involved with. So this is an opportunity to show your skills, show your knowledge, and understand how the process works. So this specification book will be more robust, right? You're going to add images. You're going to print out the spec sheets, put them into the separate categories, whether it's by room or by item. But I still wouldn't include vendors or pricing unless you are actually doing the purchasing because just with the other scenario, you really have no idea where they're going to be purchasing it and what their price points are. So if they at this level do request pricing, I would put retail in and simply explain that I don't know. I know what my discount is at Ferguson's and I know my top contractors get a deeper discount because they give more business per year. So I wouldn't want to put my discount on there if the contractor was going to be doing the buying. But this is a way of showcasing, like I said, your abilities. You understand that, you know, everything has a specification guide and those are all needed along the project. And you can then reference them when you are on site taking those meetings on. And then what I'm always talking about, and I want to make the distinction, I refer to it as a project binder. Now, a project binder to me is my Bible. It is something that goes with me to job sites and it leaves with me on job sites. I don't leave them behind. I find that if I leave them behind, even by accident, things get taken out. You know, the electrician comes over, finds the sconce that they want, and they pulls out all of the specification guide. And then I go looking for it a week later and think, where the hell is the specification guide? And I have no clue that he took it. No harm, no foul. But he didn't tell me he took it, so I don't replace it. And you can see how this can get a little kaflui. So I always take it with me to job sites and I bring it back to my office with me after I leave the job sites. And I highly recommend this for all of you. But a project binder is a whole nother level of information. It's basically your mobile office and it is going to include everything I just talked about and a whole lot more. This is where all of your drawings, your specifications, your installation guides, your contracts, your notes. I have scribble notes everywhere and they're in my binder. They probably don't make a lot of sense to everyone, but I would be lost without them on a job site in a number of scenarios. You're also going to include all of your contacts, your electrician, how to best reach them, your vendors, if you need to call them from the site, if they're not in your phone, maybe you don't purchase from them a lot, you need all of that pertinent information in hand on the job site so that you can be making decisions and changes and calling in questions right there on the spot to save you time and keep the project moving forward. And with this project binder, you are still providing specifications for the contractor to have of his own. Those are traditionally on a job site called schedules. There's a paint schedule. There are bathroom specification schedules. There are window treatment schedules. There's all sorts of schedules that a contractor is going to be looking for. And while you may think, well, he's looking for the specifications. Yes, that is also included in this. And these are obviously all in your binder as well. They're just going to be more robust than they are if you are less involved. Because 
if you're handing off the guide, then that is up to and the contractor is being paid for the follow through on those specifications. Now, if I am doing the purchasing, then I am going to be the one that needs all of the details in my hand. Now, not all designers do this, but I do not include pricing on my spreadsheets, even at this level, even in the project binder. The reason I don't is, frankly, I don't find it to be the contractor's business to know what the homeowner is paying for, I don't know, a chandelier or a Kohler sink or some fancy who knows what they're using in a specialty space, you know, in the dining room. For me, I guess that's just a privacy matter. Every firm I've ever worked in, we've always just kept those numbers in our office. But I do know some designers who put it all out there. I just don't see the value since if they're not doing the purchasing, then it doesn't really matter to them what it costs. And I guess on one level, you know, if a sconce is $100, I don't want an electrician to think, oh, it's just $100. You know, I might not be as careful with it, which, you know, again, goes to what's that electrician's values and are they aligned with yours? But you're not always working with guys that you know. And so I just sort of just take that off the table and leave the pricing out. It really has no value for them. The client already knows, obviously, what they're paying for something. And so I keep it out of the project binder. I keep it out of any schedule or spreadsheet that I send over to the contractors. And I want to make a special note in particular about installation guides. Many years ago, I never would have printed out installation guides for pretty much most things unless it was a specialty item. These days, you will find, or I have been finding, that boxes come empty with no installation guides. And in all fairness, I was caught off guard two weeks ago standing on a job site because I hadn't brought my binder and we had delivered some beautiful lit mirror medicine cabinets. And Todd grabbed it out of the box. He takes it into the other room. I'm looking through the box. I'm like, hey, did you grab the installation guide? He goes, no, it's probably in the box. And I root through the box and I find nothing. And there were three of them. So I looked through the other two and sure enough, there were none. So they just didn't include them. You go on their website. Yep, there it is, installation guide. But I had my phone. And it was really quite annoying to try to read installation guides from my phone. So there is a reason why I take my project binder with me. This was actually a last minute. I was at another site and he said, they're here. Why don't you stop by? Didn't have the project binder with me. It did validate why I go to the length of printing out installation guides because there are more and more companies like this that are either putting a QR code in things or just not including them entirely. And while this one was easy to resolve and we had to go back for additional work anyway, so I had my binder at that meeting, it could have proved more difficult or it's just sort of annoying. And frankly, if you're working with a contractor that you don't know as well as I know Todd, it could make you look flat-footed and that's never a look I want for any of you on job sites. So while I know we are all trying to print less things out, I have to say printing things out is an important component to building out a project binder that will support you through the duration of a project. And I'll be the first to say I can barely remember what happened last week, let alone six months ago on a job site. But if it's all in my binder, I can reference it and remind myself, and oh yeah, I remember this now. 
look at my notes that I've scribbled onto it from a meeting, what have you, and then find that random number for the random vendor that I was supposed to call in order to get something accomplished. So I am a huge fan, if you haven't already gathered, of these robust project binders. And and they really are my mobile office on a job site. And that is the way you need to envision them. So when you're trying to figure out what to include, this is where you put it all in. You know, I will take scraps of fabrics. I will take a window blind sample. You know, I will take anything and everything that will keep the job moving and help me resolve any issues on that job site. And as an aside, yes, they're heavy. So my favorite bag to take on job sites is an L.L. Bean tote, those open totes. I swear I've packed them full of granite samples and metal samples and wood samples and my heavy binder. And yes, I'm sure if you're a chiropractor, you're cringing right now at what I'm doing to my back, but it does all go in there. And those bags, I swear, are indestructible. I even had my company name put on them. You can just call up L.L. Bean and they'll put that on there and you just look so professional. I've even had some contractors tease me in a very nice way about how it looks like my mobile office. But that is the point. It is my mobile office. And yes, not everything can fit inside the little binder, which is why any overflow goes into that bag. But it is amazing with all of the little accessories. You can go to any Staples or office supply store and you can outfit these binders to store a tremendous amount of information that you need for your specific project. So again, let me summarize. You're really going to have, say, three different levels of a specification book or a whole home book or a project binder. You know, we all use different terminology, but at the end of it, it's all the same. It's really the specifications laid out that you need for a job site. So again, if you have no involvement other than just picking out the items, I would make it simple. I would make it straightforward into a spreadsheet with links to the individual items, and I would email it to a contractor. If it was something you were going to be staying involved with, but only on an as-need basis or a very limited basis, I would beef it up a little more, put it in a small binder, make it look a little prettier with the pictures, you know, which all takes a lot of time. I know at the end, when you look at these things, you think, oh, it doesn't look so much, hours go into that. Sourcing, cutting and pasting, uploading, linking. It all sounds trivial, but it adds to the time on the project. And that is what you are charging for. So you also need to keep that in mind when you think, oh, I'm just going to create a spreadsheet. Well, spreadsheets can take hours and days and weeks to create. So give that some serious thought. But if, again, if you're using this as, you know, a way to kind of prove yourself, show your worth, then sure, you're going to want to put a little more effort into it so that the contractor, frankly, will be impressed and want to bring you on to another project. And then there is the project binder. That is your mobile office. I just can't say it enough. And it has 
everything, soup to nuts in there to allow you to manage that project successfully, no matter where you are standing, whether you're on a new build job site that has no internet and you're middle of nowhere, or if you're in a home that's just putting a renovation on and have access to everything, it really doesn't matter. And that is the point. There's no such thing in my mind as overkill when it comes to a project binder. And I can't tell you how many times the guys have seen me come on the site and they go, oh, thank God she has the binder. Renee, I can't find the information for blank, blank, blank. And I go, oh, sure, I've got it. Hang on. Now, I will say, they'll say, hey, can I have that? And I say, you know, I'd rather you take a picture of it and then I'll email it to you later. Because again, like I said, the minute it comes out of my book, I don't always remember to put it in because it may be hours before I'm back in my office. And so I am just, that's my hard and fast red line. Things don't come out of my binder. And to be honest, that goes with clients as well. There's really never a scenario where they can't finish the day out without that information if they have it on their phone. So I really do stand firm. And if the client asks, I say, you know what, I sent that. I'm happy to send it to you again. I just want to keep your binder complete so that no parts go missing. And the minute you say that, they go, oh, well, of course. Good point. I don't want anything to fall through the cracks. And by the way, why I have you here managing the project. So this is an important distinction to make. You are still creating the spreadsheets and the documents. It's just the level of your involvement that determines the detail that you go into on these three different scenarios. Now, I'm going to end with, I was interested to hear that there are several designers using these as marketing tools. And I think that's very clever, actually. I've never personally done that. More often than not, my binders are kind of working binders and not pretty enough to really be a marketing piece. But I think for designers looking to expand this service, it's an interesting tool to take to a meeting with a contractor or a client and show them the level that they know how to produce, right? I mean, right, if a designer went into a meeting with a builder who they don't know and show a robust spec book, you know, one that you say would be making if you were only semi-involved, but it's filled out enough to show that you you know what you're doing, you know the parts and pieces that are involved on a project, you know how to make their lives easier by putting all this information in one place. Yeah, I think a builder and a contractor would be incredibly impressed by that, as would architects, but particularly builders and contractors, because they're the ones working through the guides that you're creating day in and day out. So I I think that's a wonderful idea. I would actually love to hear from designers who have successfully used that as a marketing tool. You know, maybe you make up a Smith residence and you put your favorite things in it. You don't have to always have it from an actual job. You can create it, you know, like a mood board. You can create it for your own home, your own dream project, and use that as something to showcase your knowledge, skill set, and confidence in building these out for any project that they have and need your services for. So I hope this really helps not only just break down the terms between a specification book and a project binder and when and how you should be using them and also the level of detail that you should be including so that you are not over delivering when you're not being paid to do that service. So as always, if this episode leaves you with more questions and answers, 
please feel free to reach out. I'm happy to go through this. But also, please know that this is all covered inside the course I built, the Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management, because these are integral pieces to managing a project successfully. There are editable spreadsheet downloads, breaking it all out. There's examples from my own projects of how I do it and how I lay it out, details I include. And I even give you a video sneak peek of one of my fattest binders from one of my largest jobs to show how it all comes together and really does keep me on track and become my mobile office on a job site. So if you have any questions about the course itself, you can find more information on my website, www.devinierdesign.com, and let me know if you have any further questions. But for now, I can't thank you enough for your time today, and I look forward to our next time together. Thank you for listening, and I hope you heard something that you can apply to a project today. If you're ready to increase your construction projects in your business, check out the details on my signature course, The Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management. It's a six-part digital course that will save you a three-year learning curve, get you profitable, bring in an income and lifestyle that makes sense for you by learning the top strategies, what works and what doesn't, building your confidence so you're no longer paddling to stay afloat or worse, learning how to manage construction on a client's project. Through the course, I'm handing over 30 years of top strategies and advice. Head to my website, devinierdesign.com, for more details on the Interior Designer's Guide to Construction Management and become educated and empowered for your next construction project.